Hello, and welcome to another Thursday edition of Lighthouse Mana podcast. Uh, if you're just joining us, uh, my name is Jeff Glenn, and I'm a pastor here at Lighthouse, and it is my joy to take you through the Bible each week and uh, see what we have for us. We've been going through Genesis, and since the first of the year, we've um, been through chapter 15 most recently, which brings us up to 16. But we come out of 15, uh, where Abram and the Lord have this covenant, which provides to Abram this sign that the covenant will be fulfilled by the Lord. And immediately after that, or at least in the text, immediately after that, we see this instance between Sarah and Abram, which kind of points to our ability to not take God at his word, to not wait on the Lord. And so we see in Lamentations 3.25, it says, The Lord is good to those who wait for him, to the soul who seeks him. And the Psalms is full of encouragement to wait on the Lord. Psalm 37.34, Wait on the Lord and keep his way, and he will exalt you to inherit the land. You will look on when the wicked men are cut off. So this is a, is a Davidic psalm, but it ties closely into the promises of the Lord being very closely tied to waiting for him. And what we see here is this nature in our humanity to want to, in our own strength, fulfill the promises of God. And we see that with Sarai offering up her maidservant, Hagar, and Figuring maybe, you know, in the human wisdom that, well, the Lord's promised us all of these descendants, since I'm barren and I can't bear children, there must be another way that we could make this happen. And so um, commentators believe that this was an ancient practice where the, the line could be continued if you had someone as a surrogate mother in, in this way to, to bear children. And so... Um, Sarah offered to Abram her maidservant Hagar, and um, it doesn't say that there was much reluctance here from Abram to do that, but it does say that in verse 4, so he went into Hagar and she conceived, and when she saw that she had conceived, her mistress became despised in her eyes. And so we see Abram coming off of this promise not waiting on the Lord, but trying to step into this into his own strength. And we immediately see this impatience paying negative dividends. Um, this, we see a cost to this, that when we, when we sin, we know that. Like, it's not a secret from ourselves that we have sinned. And so one of our other human traits is to, is to blame shift or to cast blame on others, try to minimize our own involvement in this sin. And we see that here, um, that is, even though Sarah had the idea for Abram to go into Hagar, and once that happened, then Sarai despised Hagar. She cast all the guilt and, and deflected her um, guilt upon, uh, upon Hagar and even to Abram. So in verse 5, we see that she says, Sarai said to Abram, my wrong be upon you. 
I gave my maid into your embrace, and when she saw that she had conceived, I became despised in her eyes. And so we see a, um, a, a two-way street here. So, so Hagar is despising um, Sarai, and Sarai is despising Hagar. And so the, the, this is the result of this impatience and trying to do things in our own, in our own way. We're going we're gonna to blame shift. And so um, what that leads us to is, is the wrong and the hurt to others that our own impatience and trying to do things in our own strength, which brings about something that, while it's under the sovereignty of God, it isn't his plan for the way he would want us to fulfill this. So we know that from this union between Hagar and, and Abram, that this was not the, the line that would be fulfilled to bring about the Messiah. So this is another child, but, uh, but, but the Messiah would come through um, an, another child. And so what we have here then is this harsh treatment towards Hagar from Sarai, from their mutual um, animosity based on this sin of trying to fulfill something outside of God's plan. And we see Hagar fleeing from that situation. It's become so bad that her mistreatment, um, that she flees. But we do see God's providence in this as well. And we see this in verse 9 and 10. The angel of the Lord said to her, and her is Hagar. So the angel of the Lord said to her, I will multiply your descendants exceedingly so that they shall not be counted for multitude. And the angel of the Lord said to her, Behold, you are with child, and you shall bear a son, and you shall call his name Ishmael, because the Lord has heard your affliction. And so this brings us to this great revelation and understanding of the God who sees. And in, in the ancient, it is called El Roy. And so El is the uh, title of God, and then Roy is sees. We see the God who sees. And, and Hagar's recognizes this too and, and cries out to him and, and calls him, you are the God who sees. And then in verse 14, she personalized that, that um, I have also seen him who sees me. And that's at the end of verse 13. So she recognizes that the Lord in her distress and distraught and mistreatment is seen by the Lord. And so for us, that should bring great comfort to know that that in our times of trouble and things that may be come about either by our own doing or maybe something that was done to us, but the Lord sees and He provides, and it's His um, it's His character and His nature to provide for that restoration and that blessing, because we see here almost an identical promise to the child of Sarai that she would also have these descendants multiplied exceedingly so that they should not be counted um, for multitude. And so a, a restoration of sorts in the, in the blessing for, for Hagar's child, the same as it would be for Sarai and Abram's child, which would, is to come. And we'll see that in coming chapters. And so in the meantime, you know, know that in your in your distress and in your in your troubles, we do have a God who sees you. And so I hope that that's encouraging. And until next time, stay in the Word and stay encouraged.